on ahead. Don't worry, I'm going to sort of launch into our message, but just come ahead with the offering bags. That's great. Thanks very much. And please um, uh, remember that um, you've got now, the, obviously, our offering. We're back taking an offering in person, but if you're finding the online giving methods are easier or more convenient, then those remain in place as well. All, all the info's on our website. I wanted to ask you today to think a little bit about education and uh, what you think about maybe your own experience or just generally speaking about formal education. In our last ministry, our church was situated across the street from a college, and so we got to meet a lot of students. In fact, students would park in our parking lot, so they'd come in and they'd meet us and get a parking pass, and then... Um, you know, we'd chat with them and we'd give them a little gift from the church and that. Now, I was especially kind to the nursing students and to the criminal justice students because nursing students might be taking care of me in the hospital one day and uh, the criminal justice students might be uh, pulling me over on the road one day as a police officer. So I always tried, you know, to plan for the future. In fact, one time Lana was having surgery at the hospital and one of the nurses that was there, she had been at our church for the student lunch and so forth, so good planning on our part. Right? So there's formal education. There's also, you know, education that we do within the church. We sometimes talk about a church department, the Christian education department, but you can learn a lot in Sunday school. Uh, I've got a couple of examples here. Uh, one Sunday school teacher asked, now, Johnny, tell me, do you, say, do you say prayers before eating? No, sir, Johnny replied. We don't have to. My mom is a good cook. Uh, so you can learn a lot. Uh, we certainly learned a lot when we've taught Sunday school. It's interesting to chat with the children. Um, you know, there was a, a busy mom who uh, was really hoping that her six-year-old had learned to pray at Sunday school so she asked her daughter uh, to pray uh, the blessing, and there was company there, and the little girl uh, was a little reluctant. She said, I wouldn't know what to say, and so mom said, well, just say what you hear mommy say, and so the daughter bowed her head, and she prayed, oh, Lord, why on earth did I invite all these people over for dinner? So education spans the more technical vocational right down to the very, very practical. And today we're going to think about what it means to grow in an understanding of God. And my first reaction to that personally, I'm not sure about you, but my first reaction is to think, as we often do in our kind of society, okay, what kind of education does that require to have a deeper understanding of God? Or what kind of information does that uh, require for my understanding of God and His ways to be, you know, more robust and, and more, more complete? And as beneficial as education can be, or book learning, or however you want to express it, we, and we live in a time where that's, that has a high value, and I'm not trying to take away anything from that, um, I, I certainly don't want to think that I wasted my time in college or seminary, but I think that we have to be very careful not to reduce 
understanding, as we learn about it in the book of Proverbs, down to an information exchange. Now, some of our most basic understandings of God are under a major assault. And so I I think it's even more important what A.W. Tozer said. He said, what you think about God is the most important thing about you. Your concept of God, how you understand Him, that is, that is person-defining. So today in our series, The Way of Wisdom, we're back again in Proverbs chapter 3, and today we're at verses uh, 13 through 20. We're taking a little bigger section. I've got a list uh, for you to just quickly see on the screen of the different things that we've looked at, obedience and faith, trust, uh, generosity, meekness, humility. Uh, so though that, that's where we've been. We've been taking just a couple verses at a time, but today we're looking at the, um, this issue of understanding, a spiritual understanding of God. Uh, it is in our passage equated with wisdom. So it's wisdom and understanding, and we're going to have a look at that. Wisdom, as it's translated from the original language, does convey these quite predictable notions, right, of intelligence and discretion, reason, skillfulness. But I think that because the author coupled it with wisdom, it's not merely having a high level of intelligent or cognitive apprehension of God. It's coupled with wisdom. We're really talking about this little phrase that I mentioned early on in the series, this idea of moral skillfulness, or how does it transform us, or how does our understanding of God uh, cause us to be uh, engaged in a deeper relationship with Him? Maybe it would be uh, one way to say it. It's not about information as much as it is about relationship. So I want to, just before I read this passage, I want to get you chatting to each other just for a couple of moments, and I have a question for us to explore, and it's this question, what understanding did you have about God uh, when you were a child that has perhaps changed over the years, or perhaps it hasn't changed, maybe it's matured? So if you don't mind just clustering two or three people together um, someone come and join Tom and Marilyn. They look lonely up here. Uh, just two or three people get together and just share. Now, it's okay if, you're, if your concept didn't change drastically, um, but I'm just interested for you to exchange that, uh, d- discuss that question for a moment. When you were little, what did you think about God? Has that changed? Has that grown?
Maybe another moment or two. Thirty-seven more seconds. Just a few more seconds to wrap up. Okay, maybe I, sorry to break into your discussion, but it's a pretty big subject. I, I noticed there's some frivolity over here, so hopefully that you weren't too distracted, ladies, but that's... One thing I noticed, I noticed a lot of people were, there was, I, 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 I saw a lot of earnestness in your explanations, you know, and, and um, with the hand motions. But I also noticed David is, David is obviously in seminary because David was, you know, sharing a little bit more as a, as a seminary. No, you'll get that, you'll get that eventually. But, um, uh, and, and just quick, just quickly, uh, did did uh, anybody have something they w wanted to maybe just share with us? What what was the concept you had of God uh, as a child? Edna, just it was blank. It was it was it was missing. There was a vacuum there. Okay, 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 okay. Well, you know that's funny. That's why I went to VBS too. Was for the snacks. So good, yeah. Yeah, somebody else? Did I see a hand at the back? Somebody else. A concept of God. Okay. Okay. So, uh, very austere, uh, heavy-handed. Okay. Yeah. Anybody else? Okay. Okay. So, the, the, the rule, a rule-based... Uh, concept, yeah, yeah. So hopefully, over the years, um, that has that has grown and matured, and hopefully will continue uh, to grow. You know, as I was getting you to think about it, it made me think of seminary, where I started to pay more and more money to get these eminent professors, and we'd ask them deep questions, and our professor would say, "That's a very good question." We should all be asking questions in our life. Good. Okay, next. <laughs> it's like, well, what's the answer, right? And sometimes it feels a little bit hard to, to, to maybe articulate what we're grasping. And I think that might be an indication if we're feeling like we're progressing in grasping God and we can't necessarily get it all written down. I, I think that's okay because it is far more relational than it is informational. 
Um, but let's pick up the passage at verse 13, Proverbs chapter 3, if you're in your Bible, and I'll also have the, the text on the screen. Blessed is the man who finds wisdom, the man who gains understanding. For she, now we're not talking about the man anymore, the finder, we're talking about the wisdom and the understanding. For she, or wisdom and understanding, is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Those who lay hold of her will be blessed. By wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding, he set the heavens in place. By his knowledge, the deeps were divided, and the clouds let drop the dew. So I think that in order to get a little bit of a handle on what this passage is saying, it might, might help us to think about three different processes that I think really are the work of the Holy Spirit, the way God uh, works in our lives to bring us into an understanding, a deeper understanding of Him. So the first uh, key word I would use is enriched, and that I would uh, argue from verse 13 is that God um, brings us into a place of blessedness. If you look at this phrase in verse 13, blessed is the man, you might right away think of Jesus um, uh, sharing the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5. The same kind of um, phrase, uh, you know, happy, as the Amplified Bible would say, happy, considered fortunate, to be admired, blessed is the person who is uh, grasping wisdom, is getting a handle uh, on understanding. How are we enriched by, by an understanding of God? Here are a couple of quick examples from other places in Proverbs. Chapter 2 and verse 11, understanding will guard you. So there is a, there's a protective element. As we grow in our understanding of God, those truths help protect us from error and from, uh, and, and not just error, you know, intellectual error, but in Proverbs, it's always about life, right? It's about the way of the wicked or the fool's path and disobedience, or it's the way of the righteous and following God, a path. Of, of peace and of blessing. Uh, chapter 10 and verse 23, wisdom is a pleasure to a man of understanding. Uh, chapter 14, 29, a man of understanding walks straight ahead. So there's guidance, there's direction, there's a sense of purpose. When we get a hold of God's truth, it propels us in the way that is best for us. Um, Proverbs 17, 27, he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. I don't think it's cool in the sense of, you know, how you look at me. It's, um, it's cool in the sense of calm and peaceful, and I know I'm not cool. In fact, you know, my kids, uh, I have it over on them because they thought there was a time where I might have been, but then I stopped being cool, but they don't realize I was, I was never cool in the first place, so got one over on them. Not cool as in cool, but uh, calm, and all of these um, that I've, these little uh, snippets from Proverbs 
give you hopefully the idea that when we get a hold of God's truth, his, an understanding of Him and an understanding of His ways, an understanding of His purposes for us, it, en it enriches our lives. Now, I've come to learn something uh, just recently, I think it was just earlier this week, uh, something that the U.S. Uh, Army War College introduced at the time of the uh, breakup uh, of the, uh, the Soviet bloc and the, and the end of the Cold War. Has anyone heard of something called VUCA? I've, I've never heard of this before, um, but it is a description of those really tumultuous times when, especially in the Soviet Union, there was a great vacuum that came as a result of the breakup of the communist uh, dictatorship. And they describe VUCA, it's an acronym for volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. Now, do you think that's maybe not a bad description of the times in which we live today? You know, um, volatility and, 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 and uncertainty, complexity, ambiguity, if it was only just one of those things, if things were changing rapidly, or if we, if we just weren't certain, or if things weren't so complex, but it seems to be all of these things together. A friend shared that in particular in the, in the context of prayer, if we're going to be engaged in prayer, as believers, as followers of God, we need something different. This is what he said. We need vision from above. We need understanding of the times and all that does remain certain. We need clarity of focus for prayer. And we need agility to pivot without losing our bearings. And he referred uh, in his little article about this back to Psalm uh, verse 61 and verse 2, he referred to the rock that is higher than I. David often uh, prayed that way um, about God as a fortress, a secure tower, the rock that was solid and, and in times that were tumultuous, times that were volatile or uncertain or complex or ambiguous, a vision, an understanding, a clarity, and an agility. And this is not going to come, I'm sure you're well aware, from our culture, it will come from God. And as God uh, enriches our lives with His truth, we'll be able to withstand some of these um, destabilizing features of the world around us. The second thing, or the second process that I think the Holy Spirit is doing in the life of a follower of Jesus is to bring enlightenment. Now, when I say that word enlightenment, it might bring to your mind, oh, well, you know, is that about Eastern uh, mystical meditative practices, you know, om, that kind of experience? Uh, maybe you think historically about the 17th and 18th century dawning of the age of reason and coming out of the, what we call the Dark Ages or the Middle Ages into the Enlightenment. But the kind of spiritual enlightenment I'm referring to here is identified by Paul in Ephesians chapter 1. It actually comes in the context of Paul praying for the church at Ephesus. And I like to believe that these are really um, uh, contemporary, very appropriate prayers that we can be praying for ourselves today as God's followers. And I'm picking up um, this at verse 17 of Ephesians 1. Paul says this, I keep asking 
that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And I think that shouts out understanding, especially as we have it from the book of Proverbs. It, Paul doesn't pray, I want you to accumulate a great deal more information about God. That's, that's not the focus. The focus is, I want God to reveal or enlighten you to know him better. So it's, it's relational. And I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And, it, and the prayer continues, but just, just those, uh, those verses uh, for now. Or, I only got to 18. Let me finish. I think I gave you only to 18. And his incomparably great power for, for us who believe. And in this prayer, Paul uses uh, quite, quite an interesting little expression. If we were to just translate the words right over into English, we have English words. Um, I would call this ophthalmological cardiology. It's a new area of medical science, and it studies the eyes of your heart, right? So we get the word ophthalmology from when Paul said eyes, and we get the, the word cardiology from when he said heart. I don't know if you've thought about that a lot, if your, eye, if your heart has eyes, but we talk about longing for something, you know, our heart is, remember that phrase we will use? My, their heart is set on it, right? And as we're looking to it or we're longing for it, and Paul is praying, um, obviously we'll have to go through some mental um, apprehension of God, but ultimately his prayer is that we would grasp God relationally, that we would come to know him in deeper measure. We're, we're more certain of his faithfulness. We're more confident in his leadership. We're not just saying God leads, God comforts, God does this at an intellectual level. We're saying it as part of our heart. Uh, the eyes, uh, it's an odd, odd maybe phrase, but the eyes of our heart being able to see uh, who God is. True spiritual understanding is of the Lord and belongs to Him and is given by His gracious hand. Now, I didn't mention the verses, although you maybe saw it on uh, the outline, but this is verse 19 and 20 in, in, in Proverbs 3 that I would refer you to, um, where the um, author is saying, God's the author of knowledge. In fact, through His knowledge, he created all that there is, and so he's the one that brings it to us. We don't um, discover him. It's a process of his Holy Spirit working in our lives. You know, this week I was following a, a semi-truck loaded with rebar. Now, you might not think, I was like, Where, uh, well, how does this tie in with knowing God? Well, just just uh, stick with me here for a moment. Consider And as I was following it and then going around it because it was, you know, I was losing seconds by following that truck, so I had to pass. And, and the thought occurred to me because uh, this rebar was all cut and it was bent and shaped and it was all prepped. You could see the tags on it. 
and it was all ready for uh, installation at a work site. And I got thinking, somebody has pulled that bar. Somebody has shaped it. Somebody's bundled it, loaded it. it. Somebody was right then delivering it. Somebody would be installing it. Somebody would be tying it up. Somebody would be getting it ready. And then it would be encased in concrete, and you'd never, ideally, uh, in a perfect world, you'll never see it again, right? And I thought, all that work to go into something that's, you know, for all practical purposes, going to disappear. And I thought about some of these core understandings that we need of God. We, not, we might not be reflecting on these deep, deep things of our lives, you know, big, big concepts like why would the, the garbage truck come right during our service, but he did anyways. Uh, you know, the big questions of life, right? Um, that's okay, Don. We're, I think we can cope with it. Nobody noticed till I mentioned it. Um, but I, I think that, you know, sometimes we, we um, might forget how much um, wonderful rebar, if, if you will, God has installed into our hearts and souls. And sometimes to pause and say, wow, you know, God has invested that kind of core strength in me. And I think we have the opportunity as we grow, I think, that, I think that's what this, this passage is about, that we would grow in our understanding of God. You read the descriptions throughout Proverbs of the person with under, wisdom and understanding, it's a strengthening, um, solidifying experience to get to know uh, God better. I think the third process I'll call engaged. Well, I already called it engaged because I put it up there. <coughs> we can be engaged in God's understanding. Farewell. Verses 14 to 18 have kind of something I personally think is a little different. I've, um, you know, I've encountered different um, forms of writing here in, in the Scripture, but today we have personification. We have wisdom and, and understanding of God um, uh, described, and let me just go through those descriptions. Verse 14, the prophet is better than gold. Verse 15, um, precious uh, beyond jewels. Um, and so evidently the, the store is wrong. Diamonds aren't forever. I don't know. I don't agree with that um, because we got some and now some are, uh, we had to get some more later. Uh, verse 16, there's longevity, reputation that comes through understanding God. Uh, verse 17, um, there's a path of peace that comes as we understand God. There's another uh, metaphor, now a tree of life that brings blessing. So as we put that together, we start to see how uh, wisdom and understanding of God is something not just to be observed, but it's actually something to be valued. And as I was uh, thinking this through earlier this week, I was, I was contemplating, what, is, what does that mean for me personally in my walk with Jesus to value his truth? It, it's, it's, it's not just conceptual. It's, it's actual in my experience. Am I going to, to engage in the value of it so much so that it, I'm, I'm so invested or engaged in the value of God's truth that I say, no, 
what, what Satan offers me as an alternative, it's a lie. When God wants me to walk in his peace, and Satan says, you should really spend some time being anxious about this because it's very popular these days, right? To, to default to anxiety, worry, fear. And God's truth is, because of how I know God and the, the rebar that he's started to install in my soul that strengthens me, and I know, um, because it says right here, um, in, in a very poetic way, what God's truth says is beyond the value of these lies. It's not just in equal opposing strength. It's so far beyond. Will I believe it? Will I trust in it? Will I engage in it? And I use this word engage because when we value something, we, we go all in, right? If you value something, you'll put your money towards it. If you value something, you'll invest time in it. You'll talk about it. You'll, you'll give your energies to it. And if we really value the truth of God, we will become fully invested, fully engaged. Or another word for that is obedient. By faith, it means to be obediently engaged. And I especially want to commend to you these discover groups. And I would suggest that maybe one way of understanding the idea of a discover group is one of the focus we want to bring to it is not so much a time of teaching. It's not an educational experience so much as it is um, a, a time to be engaged in God's truth. And one of the core um, uh, focus of the group uh, format is that people would discover for themselves. Self-discovery and then reinforced by action steps. Now, um, at this time of gathering and listening to God's Word, we could try this. We could go around and share each one. Because of what I heard from God's Word today, I'm going to go this week and do, and then you fill in the blank, each one stand up in turn, and we all say that, and next week we gather together and we go around. Okay, Tom, you said last week you would do such and such. How did it go? And we go through. That we really can't accomplish here, but in a group of three, four, five people on a weekly basis, you can. You build that trust. You build that accountability. And what I'm hearing about discover-type groups, as I've described to you, is that it makes a world of difference when people discover and then they practice God's Word right away in some simple step of obedience. So listen for more about discovery groups as we keep working towards those. Well, just to wrap up these thoughts, I want to share with you from uh, a blog by uh, someone of the name Cam Taylor. He lives over in Abbotsford. He is a trainer of pastors who go into help churches through times of transition. And so I, I get his blog, and, and not too long ago, he shared uh, what I want to read for you, and because it was about wisdom, I took note and I said, hey, I, uh, we, can, we can think about that in our series here. Uh, let me just begin by reading Proverbs 8, verse 34 that he included, and it is this. If you wait at wisdom's doorway, longing to hear a word for every day, joy will break forth within you as you listen for what I'll say. Proverbs 8, 34 in the Passion 
uh, version. And then uh, Cam makes these comments. When you wait at wisdom's doorway with a longing and desire to hear and listen and stop the noise long enough, you'll hear a word. You'll hear direction. You will be guided on the way you should go for every day. As we listen to wisdom's voice, as we listen to what God has to say to us in the stillness, joy is the result. Here's the equation that captures what I'm saying, and I think I, we've got it on the chalkboard. Does, does anybody remember chalk? Who cleaned chalkboards as a kid? I used to clean the chalkboard, yeah. Knowledge added to experience multiplied by stillness results in wisdom. I, I really like that equation. I don't want to suggest in any way we just reduce God's Word down to little, little formulas, but when I started to think about it, if you think about the work of the Holy Spirit to enrich us and to enlighten us, to bring that knowledge of God to us, and then you add to that when we get engaged, when we, when we are active in the knowledge of God, not just observing, and we bring that together, but now we meet Him in a still place. We start to turn off some of the commotion that's around us. Not obviously, not in an ultimate sense. You can't, you can't turn off the world, but we can turn off the radio, or we can shut down our phone for a while, or we can find ways to find stillness. I, I sometimes find stillness even in a maybe a bit of a public space, just because I pop in some worship music and on my earbuds and so forth. And as we do that, we start to really engage in God's wisdom because it's not about activity or intellectual exercise, it's about relationship with God. You know, what's our, our human tendency? Our human tendency is to hit the accelerator, to try harder, to go faster, to get more education, to gather more information, and God bless all of the people in Christian publishing, but, it, but some people have told me, I, 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 and I, even myself, I have a hard time sometimes listening to wonderful Christian radio because every uh, time I listen, there's another book to read. There's another resource <laughs> to go through, right? And that's just a human tendency. And all of that can be very, very good. But life is not a drag race. You know what a drag race? They hit the accelerator. There is noise. There is smoke. And they sail down the, what is it, quarter mile? Quarter mile track. Wow, it's amazing. But life is longer than a quarter mile, right? We need something that will sustain us over the long term. We need something that will help us through finding the person in our lives and parenting and figuring out all of the stuff of vocation. And we need God for all of that long journey. And I like to think uh, maybe instead of just hitting the accelerator, Stillness is about, about having a measured pace on the accelerator, maybe like you're driving a, a big truck, and, and it takes time to get up to speed, but as you slowly give it more gas carefully, you're not just spinning your tires and making noise and smoke. You're, you're slowly gaining momentum, the momentum of maturing in the Lord as you get to know Him better and better. There's probably a lot of poems or songs I could have closed with, 
but this is the one that came to mind. And I would invite you, if you would just bow your head with me, and let's not take on some false burden of, oh no, I've got to quit my job and go to seminary now because the pastor wants me to get more knowledgeable about God. That's not what we're talking about. It's about finding stillness in our lives so we can get to know God better. Uh, Jean Sophia Pigott said it this way, and just bow your head with me. Just reflect on these words because she's talking about a relational knowledge and growth in understanding of God. Hopefully this will guide our thoughts as you respond to God's speaking to you uh, through this time. Jesus, I am resting, resting in the joy of what thou art. I am finding out the greatness of thy loving heart. For thou hast bid me gaze upon thee, and thy beauty fills my soul. For by thy transforming power thou hast made me whole. Oh, how great thy loving kindness, vaster, broader than the sea. Oh, how marvelous thy goodness, lavished all on me. Yes, I rest in thee, beloved. Know what wealth of grace is thine. Know the certainty of promise and have made it mine. Jesus, I am resting, resting in the joy of what thou art. I am finding out the greatness of thy loving heart. Amen.